Hi, everyone. You are listening to Beyond, and I'm your host, Dr. Flora. Listen, life is hard. You don't have to do it alone. As a mindset coach, physician, mom, and an infertility warrior, I have mastered techniques to help move you towards contentment and growth. I can't wait to go along with this crazy ass life journey with you while making sure you feel like your best self. This podcast is meant to have you feel unstuck from your rut and less alone. Let's do this. Welcome back, friends. This episode is going to be about infertility. My infertility diagnosis changed me. I mean, it changed me inside and out. So this episode is dedicated to those who are having trouble starting or growing their families, to those who know someone with infertility, to those who are nervous about infertility. I mean, fuck it. This episode is for everybody. You don't have to have infertility or know someone with infertility in order to grab a gem from this episode. I'm going to spit out some educational facts because I'm a doctor and that's what I do, but I'm also going to go through a number of lessons that I learned during my journey. I'm going to pepper them in throughout the episode, so listen closely and take notes. I revealed in the last episode that I really don't recognize my old self. I was relying on this life checklist and going on these checkboxes that weren't truly mine. I had so much fear of judgment. And you know what? I judged others too. I was waiting to live my happily ever after. I was so dependent on that stupid checklist and I couldn't ground myself in gratitude. And because of that, I was kind of an asshole. I want to start this episode by apologizing to those who encountered my past self who encountered my taunting about starting to have children, having more children, having a girl if you had a boy or having a boy if you had a girl, to preferring twins versus triplets, to getting a glass of wine or going on a vacation and starting to make babies, to all those stupid comments I made because I didn't know better and wasn't taught better, I am sorry. And I'm sorry I made you feel uncomfortable, hurt, and every emotion in between. Today, I'm sharing my infertility story simply to raise awareness that we should never take someone else's or or our own fertility for granted. I'm going to start off with a story here. It was 2018, right after I was diagnosed with secondary infertility. I was at the park with my then two-year-old Gia, who was happily running around in a toddler play area. And then I heard a voice suddenly come up behind me and say, when will you give her a sibling? She needs someone to play with so she doesn't get lonely. Another child's grandparent or nanny, or I don't know who they were, began to have a conversation with me with that as their opener. I paused for a half a second. I quickly looked over at Gia, who was happily giggling. She was following other kids around. Every now and then, she would look over at me to make sure I was close by. I saw my child truly happy. And this random person's comment pierced my grief. 
and pierce this new diagnosis that I've barely digested. I was fuming. I quickly turned to this person and responded angrily, Oh my God, a sibling? Do you know where I can buy one? I'll just go get one right now. After which I grabbed Gia and walked away. It wasn't my finest moment. So lesson number one, don't let your unacknowledged, unpacked emotions dictate your words and actions, especially in reaction to someone else's unsolicited comment or advice. I had let my pain get a hold of me and dictate my actions and words. Did that woman have ill intent? No. Did she have the right to advise me on family planning and make a passive comment about it in front of my daughter? Absolutely. No. I know you've encountered this no matter what point in your life you're at, especially those lazy aunties and uncles who pry, you know, they pry about your grades. They pried about what college you'd be attending, what major you were. They'd compare you to their own kids or other friends. They'd pry about medical school, what specialty you're going into. Then they start prying about when you were getting married, about your job, your money, and now your kids or the potential for kids. I mean, as soon as I had Gia, the immediate next question from everyone was, okay, when are you popping out the next? (laughs) I mean, excuse me, my vagina is still healing and you're asking me when I want to do this shit again? So many questions dawned at me at this time. When did our society make this a normal conversation? Why do Indians especially feel the need to dictate our family planning in a public manner? What if I just wanted one kid? Was that a bad thing? Why is everyone pressuring me? Like, what is it to them? I had postpartum depression. So at that time, was I expected to just default and start thinking about bringing another human into this life? I wasn't happy with my body. I wasn't happy with my mind. How was I going to handle another child? So lesson number two, stop asking women when they are having kids, period, full stop. Really, this should never be dropped upon any woman, any couple in a casual conversation. It's such a sensitive topic. You never know what someone is going through. And even if they're not going through anything medical What if it was just their preference to not have children? It should not be a conversation starter, a conversation filler. It should not be used as a joke. There are plenty of other things to talk about. Use those instead. So let me switch hats for a second and put my doctor hat on. I'm going to spit out some stats and some facts that might surprise you. Remember, this is not personal medical advice, just an educational bit. So don't forget to go to your medical team with any personal medical questions and concerns. One in eight couples have been diagnosed with infertility. Estimates confirm that one in four female physicians suffer from it. I am one in four. So we had no issues conceiving Gia. It was when we tried to grow our family is when I was diagnosed with secondary infertility. Primary infertility, also simply referred to as infertility, is diagnosed when a couple fails to become pregnant after 6 to 12 months of trying to conceive. Secondary infertility, which is what I have, is the inability to conceive or have a full-term pregnancy after having 
had children prior without medical intervention. Surprisingly, it's just as common as primary infertility. Guidelines on when to seek an evaluation for infertility, and this is so important, especially speaking from a primary care doctor's standpoint, I think patients need to be armed with this information. It's important to seek an evaluation, regardless of whether it's primary or secondary, if you haven't conceived after trying for 12 months and you're under the age of 35 years old, or if you haven't conceived after trying for six months and you're 35 years and older. We decided to pursue in vitro fertilization. Just in case you didn't know what in vitro fertilization is, also known as IVF, it's when a doctor assists in getting a woman pregnant. It gives nature a helping hand by bringing the sperm and the egg together outside the body and helping the embryo get a good start inside the uterus. So they collect eggs from the woman and sperm from the man. Then they mix them in a special dish outside the body. It's like a little Petri dish. And that's the in vitro part. Fun fact, in vitro means in glass in Latin. I thought it was fascinating. Anyway, so if the sperm successfully meets the egg and fertilizes it, they let it grow into a very early stage pregnancy called an embryo. Once the embryo is ready and if it's healthy, it gets carefully placed back into the woman's uterus where it hopefully sticks and grows into a baby. But before you get to the IVF stage, the doctors need that eggs and sperm. Well, as you can imagine, it's really easy for the guys to get the sperm. For us women, however, it requires a small procedure called an egg retrieval. And in order for that to happen, you not only need a whole workup with blood draws and procedures to see what the cause for infertility is, if there is a known cause. So they get your ovaries ready with a lot of medications, injections, orals. It's a meticulous schedule, all time to ensure your doctor gets the most eggs possible during the egg retrieval procedure. And guess what? Not one step is a guaranteed success. In my world, when you work hard and make sacrifices, you receive something in return. That is the verbiage that my parents taught me, that I was surrounded with. This is all I have known. Work hard, get rewarded. My fertility experience taught me something very different. IVF does not follow this rule or any rule. It was a difficult lesson to relearn over and over and over again. And what drove me crazy during the process is that I had no control over the probability. The doctors did everything to the best of their ability to increase the chances of not only a pregnancy, but a pregnancy sticking and resulting in a healthy baby. But because I could not control that, I spiraled. So lesson number three, let go over needing control over things you can't control. I promise you there will be a weight that will lift off your shoulders and you will decrease your brain clutter so you can take control over the things that matter, like your health, your emotions, your reactions, your relationships. Think about that. Let go of control over the things that you can't control. Let it go, like my friend Elsa from Frozen says. (laughs) It truly does free up a lot of brain space so you can focus on the things that are controllable 
and that will help your mindset be more at peace and contentment. So because my spiraling led me to be just high with anger, envy, frustration, resentment, I was always on edge. Because of all of that, I don't have core memories of my family other than what I've passively taken pictures of. Here are the memories that are embedded into my brain. The first one, anytime I would start a new IVF cycle, even for like the egg retrieval, I remember that first box that was shipped to my house. It was a huge brown rectangular box that nowadays I look forward to because it's like an Amazon package. But back then, it was the sign of a new roller coaster. The box would be filled with all of my medications, injectables, oral medications, syringes, needles, anything and everything. And it would bring on this rush of anxiety of the unknown. And because I was determined to take control of everything at that time, I labeled every bag. I organized every injection according to the order I should be taking it. I had certain bags on ice if I was working or traveling. I would then turn to my phone and enter multiple phone alarms labeled with the specific medications that were due at that time. I would then turn to my shared calendar and share the entire schedule with my husband. All of this just from one rectangular box. My second core memory is actually a happy, comforting one. I remember driving to my doctor's appointments maybe once or more times a week before I'd start clinic with my patients. I remember I would listen to Jay Shetty's podcast on purpose. And on the way back, I would listen to Dr. Natalie Crawford's podcast as a woman. She is a fertility specialist and advocate. These two voices brought me comfort and brought me guidance and taught me things that I needed to hear during a very painful time. I would laugh with them. (laughs) I would have these light bulb moments. I would cry. Jay Shetty's episodes would hit me in a way where I would have this realization, this life lesson, this aha moment where I realized I needed to start making small changes. I'm so grateful for voices like these who continue to educate and inspire people around the world. My hope is that I can use my voice to help you as well, no matter what you're going through. My third core memory, it's a painful one. I remember my first positive pregnancy test after an embryo transfer. I remember being at the dining room table. I was sitting down. Sanjay was standing right next to me, his arm around my shoulders. I had my doctor on speakerphone and she said, congratulations, it worked. You're pregnant. And I'm going to cry right now. I remember Sanjay and I hugged each other. We held each other. We both cried. By the way, I've only seen Sanjay cry like under five times in the 20 years I've known him. And this was one of them. I just remember feeling a sense of relief. like. We did it. Everything will be okay. My checklist, my checklist, it's, it's going to be okay. I'm going to have my happily ever after. My fourth core memory is what that pregnancy test led to, which was a miscarriage. 
I remember feeling familiar pregnancy symptoms, the fatigue, the nausea, the lowered appetite, a little bit of brain fog. I mean, I felt awful for a couple of weeks, but those symptoms were comforting because I knew they were familiar. It's what I felt with Gia. It confirmed the time and money and stress that it all worked. I had a follow-up ultrasound and that day, I remember waking up feeling better like no symptoms. And I started overthinking like, oh my gosh, what happened? And then I would calm myself down telling myself not to overreact. Wait for the appointment, I would tell myself. No reason to worry up a storm now. So I made it to my ultrasound appointment and it was just me and the technician in the room. She put the probe in to confirm the pregnancy. She was searching, searching. She kept moving the probe around. She searched more. Her brows were furrowed. She was avoiding eye contact with me. Now, look, I'm not an OB-GYN, but I know what pregnancy looks like on an ultrasound. And I did not see it. I saw an empty sack with nothing in it. No heartbeat. The doctor came in, broke the news. I had lost the pregnancy. I was devastated. Just like that. The highest high of a pregnancy test, that sense of relief became the lowest of my low. And what's so funny is I knew deep down in my gut that I wasn't pregnant. I woke up with that intuition. I knew. But my brain kept soothing me until I had proof. And there it was. My next core memory is sitting in the garage parking lot of my fertility doctor's office, calling my clinic supervisor. I was crying, sobbing. I mean, I'm talking snot, tears, hiccuping. I told her, close my schedule. I'm officially out of the office starting now. I'm taking time off. I don't know how many weeks, but cancel all of my patients. You know, to this day, I don't know the sole reason of why I was crying. I don't know if it was because of the miscarriage and just like the ongoing grief or because I was admitting to myself that I had hit my breaking point, that I couldn't handle the roller coaster. I couldn't handle full-time mom, full-time doctor, full-time wife, full-time fertility patient. I needed time to grieve. These core memories lead me to my next lesson. Take the time to feel your feelings. Take the time to grieve, to be angry, to acknowledge whatever emotions you're experiencing. Don't push it under the rug. Don't ignore them. Don't work harder. That does not do you any good because guess what? All of that is going to come crashing down onto your shoulders at the most inopportune time. You like control? Take control of your emotions. Acknowledge them, feel them, give yourself some space and time. Now don't let it linger, but acknowledge and move on. You know, secondary infertility really put me in a unique position. I had a child, so technically I was fertile, but I felt lost with that diagnosis. Because I had a child, because I was fertile at one point, I felt like I really didn't belong to the infertility community because, well, I'm, quote, not really unfertile, unquote. Yes, that was a statement that was oh pleasantly brought up in a conversation. While I was in pain and grieving the fact that I was unable to 
give my daughter a sibling or if I was grieving a pregnancy loss or grieving an unsuccessful transfer, the thought that I was once fertile led to well-intentioned comments like, at least you have one child. Don't be sad. Just be grateful you're able to have Gia. You know, there are people who can't conceive. Gosh, you're so lucky you have one. Lesson number five, stop the at least comments. They do not make anyone feel better. When someone is venting, it's important to recognize what they're asking for. And it's okay to ask them, what do you want from me? Do you want support? Do you want me to give you advice? Do you want me to stay quiet? At least comments negate the feelings. At least comment makes people feel guilty for feeling their emotions. Allow them to feel they're all valid. Stop the at least comments. They don't help. But based on these well-intended but unsolicited comments and advice, I was confused because, well, I was fertile and should be happy. But I was infertile and wasn't happy in reality. On one hand, I was fertile and shouldn't feel guilty. On the other hand, I was infertile and was feeling guilty. One side, I was fertile and I shouldn't grieve, but I was infertile and I was grieving. Furthermore, if you followed me on Instagram, you know we stopped pursuing more IVF rounds. We stopped trying to have more children. And I'm not saying that this is the right decision for everyone. I'm trying to clarify that we weren't happy and that we were following this checklist that clearly wasn't made for us and stopping was the best decision for us and our family. And the episode explaining that decision to the hopefully the best of my ability will be out later, so watch out for it. But that decision to stop IVF really, it led me to losing a community that I had formed while going through my infertility process. I had connected with so many women in person over social media who were undergoing these procedures at the same time as me. And we became close at one point, bonding over the logistics, of the craziness, the chaos, the trauma, the highs, the lows, the celebrations, the loss, the grief. I had built a support system along the way. As I made the decision to stop pursuing having more kids, many continue to thankfully have healthy pregnancies and beautiful, healthy babies. Anytime anyone would share the good news of a pregnancy or giving birth, my default reaction was always pure joy. And then it was quickly followed by, well, that's not fair. It truly was a very conflicting, confusing time for me. And these beautiful, wonderful friends and new moms and repeat moms went on forward bonding over their new babies. And I, well, didn't. I felt alone. I was trying to deal with my trauma and loss that I didn't even realize that I had a lingering sense of loss of the community that I could have experienced so much more with. Besides the ongoing IVF hardships, I would have loved to experience pregnancy, birth, newborn life, mom of multiple life. It was like I had lost a sense of kinship. And let me be clear, I'm not upset about it. 
I'm just simply acknowledging it. It was a realization that came later. Last lesson, it's okay to live in the middle, friends. Feel those contradicting emotions. I was grateful and I was sad. I was grieving and finding comfort in my daughter's hug. I was happy for everyone who was pregnant around me. And I was feeling shorted. Regardless of what obstacle you're facing right now, be comfortable. Be okay to live in the middle, to feel all the feelings. It's normal. It's human. And it's okay. Your feelings are valid. All of them. Thank you so much for listening to this quite vulnerable episode about my infertility journey. I not only wanted to share this to give you an idea of my background, but also know that there are lessons that I pulled from this entire process that are really life lessons. So in summary, number one, don't let your unpacked feelings dictate your actions. Number two, please stop asking couples, especially women, about family planning. Number three, learn to let go of control over things you truly cannot control. Number four, acknowledge your emotions, but don't let them linger. Acknowledge them, sit in them, and move forward. And lastly, it's okay to feel contradicting emotions. Life is not black and white. Learn to live in the middle. Whatever you learned from the episode today, whether it's a life lesson, a little more understanding about the infertility journey, or just an understanding about me, promise me one thing, that you'll pass something forward. Spread the message with kindness, understanding, and without judgment. To those struggling, you're not alone. I see you. I'm with you. Lots of love. Thank you so much for joining and spending your precious time here with me. As someone who prioritizes her energy, I am so grateful that you chose to spend yours here. To help me help you, please take an extra 30 seconds of your time to rate and review the podcast on your listening platform. For more tips and a behind the scenes look into my life, follow me on Instagram at Dr. Flora Sinha. That's Dr. Flora Sinha. Finally, connecting with you truly fills my cup. So DM me on Instagram, email me at florasinhamd at gmail.com. Repost if you love this episode. I love, love hearing from you. I am so grateful for you and cannot wait to be back for the next episode. Bye.